talked about renewing our priorities, and but it's not one of those sermons, I hope. You know, when I was thinking about the things that we could renew in our lives, and I thought we could renew our priorities, I thought about the sermons I've heard where the pastor's like, okay, well, take out your checkbook and look at your check registry and see like where you've spent money. And then I remembered people don't carry checkbooks anymore. Well, some people do. I don't. I don't even know where our checkbook is. Michelle would have to tell me which junk drawer it's in. But, and then I started thinking like, well, we could go through the list of how you can check what your priorities are and see where you're spending your money and how you're spending your time. But you know all of that already. And so I want to get like to the heart of the issue more than talk about the technicalities of the issue. I want to talk about the heart of the issue of seeking priorities. And we're going to do that through looking at a couple of chapters in Proverbs. Now, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom, the wisdom of God is represented as a female. And there are two women that we read about in the book of Proverbs. One is called Lady Wisdom or Woman Wisdom. And the other is called Lady Folly or Woman Folly, which is the opposite of wisdom. And we're going to start off by reading about Woman Folly. This is found in Proverbs chapter 5. You can follow along on the screen behind me, or you can grab your phone and look on your phone, or look at the Bibles that are in front of you, or some of you even bring your own Bibles to church, Roger, and you can follow along there. So Romans chapter, I'm sorry, I do love Romans chapter 5, but... This is Proverbs chapter 5. My child, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding so that you may hold on to prudence and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a loose woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not keep straight to the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And know, my child, and now, my child, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, And do not go near the door of her house, or you will give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. And strangers will take their fill of your wealth, and your labors will go to the house of an alien. And at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are consumed and say, Oh, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Now I'm at the point of utter ruin in the public assembly. And then moving on to Proverbs chapter 9. In Proverbs chapter 9, we see Lady Wisdom, but then at the very end of it, we're reminded of what Lady Folly is like and the similarities between them. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars, she has slaughtered her animals, she has mixed her wine, and she has set aside her table. She has set also her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn here. To those without sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed, Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. 
Whoever corrects a scoffer wins abuse. Whoever rebukes the wicked gets hurt. A scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. Give instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will gain in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The foolish woman is loud. She is ignorant and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the high places of the town, calling those who pass by who are going straight on their way. You who are simple, turn here. And to those without sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But they do not know that the dead are there that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God give us wisdom and courage as we do our best to interpret these passages of Scripture. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we try really hard to apply the truth of this Scripture to our lives. Amen. A few months ago... uh, probably like mid-spring to late spring, I got really tired. Just kind of tired spiritually and tired emotionally. But I was so tired, I didn't even know it. I was kind of like this person that Lady Wisdom is calling out to and that Lady Folly is calling out to. I was walking the path, but I didn't realize how lacking I was of the good stuff. I, I had kind of deprived myself of it and didn't even realize it. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to a retreat in Uray, Colorado. Anybody been to Uray? It's an amazingly beautiful small town. And I went there with a friend of mine. His name is John Hunt. He used to be the director of the Baptist Student Ministries at Hardin-Simmons University. And when I was pastoring in Abilene, he and I became really good friends. Imagine that, a Methodist pastor and a Baptist pastor becoming friends. It can happen, people. And in fact, I got invited to preach more at the Baptist University than I did the Methodist University when I lived in Abilene. I don't know what that says. Maybe it's because I told the Methodist kids that if they were there on student loans, they should drop out. <laughs> because student loan payments rob you of your, uh, your uh, revolutionary spirit because you quit being a revolutionary because you have to get a job and I, don't, I didn't get invited back to preach, so. <laughs> I didn't seek Lady Wisdom in that one, I guess. So my friend John and I, he flew in from Abilene to Albuquerque, and I picked him up at the airport, and we drove from Albuquerque to Uray. And it's a few hours, three or four hour drive, and um, we talked the whole way. And we shared about our ministries and what has happened in the last year of our lives. We hadn't seen each other in about a year. And we both recognized how tired we were. And John was on the verge of burnout. And he was desperate for a new job. He had applied for a professorship at Hardin-Simmons teaching in their seminary. And he was hoping to hear that week that he got the job. And he did not hear that week, but he did get the job. But he was burned out. 
and I was recognizing how tired I was. And we got to the conference, and the way the conference was arranged is that we met in this old opera house in downtown Uray in, in the main room of the opera house, and we would hear some, some speakers, and then we would break into groups within the room and have conversations. And then they had what they called open space conversations. Has anybody participated in an open space conversation? No hippies in the room, apparently. An open space conversation works like this. Let's say that we're going to have some today after church. Well, I would put a bulletin board up here at the front, and uh, you may say, like, oh, I'd like to talk about Lady Wisdom and how Lady Wisdom... Um, I'm seeing faces out there that I recognize, and it's distracting me. What's up? <laughs> and uh, I want to talk about Lady Wisdom and what that means for God to be represented as a woman. And I want to meet underneath the pine tree in front of the church at 2 o'clock this afternoon. You'd write it on an index card, post it on the bulletin board, and then somebody else may say, I want to have a conversation about how badly I want New Mexico State to beat Wyoming next Saturday and we're going to meet in front of Ross's office right after church, and you would post it on the bulletin board, and then Mike Black would come up and take a look at the bulletin board, and he would say, I'd like to talk about that lady wisdom thing, and so he goes out there and has that conversation, and somebody else may say, I want to talk about the Aggie thing, and they would go and sit in front of my office and have that conversation. It's just kind of whoever wants to talk about whatever they want to talk about, there are no rules to it except this. Number one, the conversation begins when the conversation begins. Number two, the conversation ends when the conversation ends. Number three, whoever shows up, shows up, and that's who's supposed to be there. And then the fourth one is called the law of two feet. When you aren't getting anything from the conversation, and when you aren't giving anything from the conversation, use the two feet that God gave you and leave. I love all of those rules because it kind of frees you up, right? And so I, I looked at the bulletin board, and I didn't see anything I was interested in. And my friend John saw one. He saw one that said uh, something about changing ministry midlife, which was right where he was at. And so I said, I'm going to go have a hamburger. I'll meet you back. I, may, I might catch up with you later. And so I went, and I decided, nah, I think I'm just going to go with John. So I went over there, and I grabbed a chair, and they had started their conversation. And I pulled my chair up. And it doesn't matter if I was late because it starts when it starts, right? And you can use your two feet to come and go as you please. And so I sat down, and I start listening, and I didn't have much to add to the conversation, and I wasn't getting much from the conversation. And then this guy who was leading it, um, he's a, a theologian from Czechoslovakia or somewhere like that. I can't remember where he's from. They're, all those countries are the same. <laughs> and he, he, um, he started telling a story about when he was at midlife, that he had been striving his entire life. He had been taking college course after college course, graduate course after graduate course, postgraduate course over, over after postgraduate course, striving for education so that he could gain all of the knowledge that he could, so that he could write as many books as he could and give as many speeches as he could, so that he could make as much money as he could and be as well-known as he could become in the fields that he was interested in and passionate about, and he was striving and striving and striving, and he started feeling burned out, and my ears perked up. Not because of me, of course, because of my friend John. 
I was concerned about him. I don't know why you're laughing. And he said, he almost burned out. And he decided to stop seeking. I mean, he started, decided to stop striving and decided to start seeking. And me, in my wisdom, said, seeking what? Because I'm not one to wonder about things. I just ask, what's that face mean? Like, I just want to know what, what. I'm not going to wonder about things very much. And so I said, seeking what? And he said, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and... Anybody know? All these things will be added unto you. He said, I decided to seek wisdom and to take a deep breath and to stop striving. He said, you'd be amazed. I woke up about 10 years later and found myself exactly where I had always wanted to be. But he didn't know that he had always wanted to be there. That's the thing about the kingdom of God, is that when we think we've grasped it, it becomes something else, because God is wild like that. When we seek what we think we want and we get it, it's not actually what we want. And so when we seek God, we're given the things that we want that we don't even know we want. It's really confusing. It's stuff like, the last will be first, and the first will be last, and to gain your life, you have to lose your life, and to lose your life, you gain your life. It's all this weird Jesus-y stuff that's called seeking wisdom. And so I wanted to talk to us about our priorities, because I think that what happens is we strive, and we strive, and we strive, and we forget to seek we hear the voice of two women. One is Lady Folly and one is Lady Wisdom, and they sound so similar, it's so tricky. In fact, in Proverbs 9, they say the same things. You that are simple, turn here. You that are simple, turn here. You have to listen close to know the difference. They both lay out feasts for us, can you guess which lady laid out which feast that Angie set up here? Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom lays out a feast of celebrating creation and recognizing the bounty that God has given us and seeking God within God's word and creation and fun and joy and the things that bring life. And then Lady Folly sets a table, a feast of things that we strive for like money and possessions and stuff. And it all goes away. The writer of Proverbs also wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And he says, this is all vapor. You can see it and you might think you can grasp it. But as soon as you think you have it, it disappears anyway. What's the point? But this is striving. And this is seeking. There is a pastor, preacher, seminary professor that I really like. His name is David Lose. I wish I was his friend, but I read everything that he writes. Is, I mean, I, I read all kinds of stuff that he wrote, writes. And he did this thing where he took Robert Frost's poem about 
the yellow wood and the two roads and seeking the road less traveled. And he did this theme with it where he was playing with scripture in the midst of that poem. And then I read another pastor who had done something similar, being inspired by David Lowe's, who's this other pastor's name is David Von Schlichten. And so I decided to take a crack at it. So here's my crack at playing with Proverbs and Lady Wisdom and Lady, Lady Folly and Robert Frost. Imagine that you're standing in a forest, a yellow wood, and two women call to you, each from a different direction. Their voices sound similar. Both voices are enticing. One is woman wisdom. We just heard about her. She's the wisdom of God. She stood alongside God at creation, worked with God in helping to hammer and saw the universe into place. She's the heartbeat of God's creative genius. Woman wisdom teaches us about God, instructs us on our place in the universe. It's an honor mixed with humility. And woman wisdom opens our minds to the highest instruction so that we grow in our righteousness. And she constructs her house on seven pillars. Seven is God's number of completed creation, so we know that woman wisdom builds her house according to the Lord's blueprints. Then she puts on her apron and starts preparing a feast. She cooks. She mixes and pours the wine. She lays out the fine china and sparkling silverware. She lights candles and places flowers in vases. She sends out the servant girls. This is the feast of wisdom of our God. The lamb has been slaughtered. Take and eat the wisdom feast given for you. The food is always delicious, never fattening, always nutritious. Wisdom's feast will never give you indigestion. It'll never give you heartburn. It won't even raise your cholesterol. It'll never make you too full. This feast will fill you with God's wisdom. Imagine you're standing in the forest in the yellow wood and you hear woman wisdom calling. She announces all who are looking for wisdom, all you who are tired of the world's foolish frenzy that racing around for nothing, that chasing after the wind, come in here. I offer you a feast. I serve you direction, purpose, clarity. I offer you holiness. I am wisdom. Dinner is served. Taste and see that the Lord is good. She's not the only voice you hear, though. Lady Folly is wearing a dress two sizes too small to show off all the right parts. And just as you did with Woman Wisdom, you do with Lady Folly. You step closer. She winks at you. All you who are looking for wisdom and are tired of the world's endless rules, come in here. I have stolen water, which is much sweeter. You can try my forbidden fruit. The illegal forbidden stuff is better, more exciting. I'll show you a real good time. Why don't you come up and see me sometime? 
we all know she's hard to resist. Even if her flirtiness doesn't appeal to you, her offering of a sumptuous feast does. You enter the house of woman foolishness, you sit at her table, and the feast looks scrumptious. The aroma makes your mouth water. It smells like a mix of brownies, oatmeal raisin cookies, red enchiladas, fried chicken. You fill your plate and you take a bite. It's good. But as you chew, your mind grows fuzzy like you've been drugged. What is this, you ask? Oh, that's one of my favorites, honey. It's dollar dollar bill casserole, (laughs) y'all. And it's decadent. You pick up your goblet and you drink what looks like water. It's bubbly and sweet. She says, that drink is called scoff at the spirit spitzer. Isn't it sinful? You're sick to your stomach. You have heartburn. Oh, I don't feel well, you say. Woman foolishness caresses your face with one hand. She stinks of perfume. She says, don't worry. You'll get used to it. Just keep eating and drinking. Here, take. Eat some of this cake. I call it better than God cake. It's devil's food, and it's to die for. You hear a voice. You're in danger, the voice says. You excuse yourself to the bathroom where you splash water on your face. Water. It reminds you of something. Your mind wakes up and you remember who you are and whose you are. As you splash more cold water on your face, you realize that woman foolishness lures you in so that she can kill you. That voice that warned you now says, get out of there, and you recognize the voice finally. It's woman wisdom. You run for the door. Woman foolishness calls, where are you going? Come back here, you idiot. But you're out the door. You sprint through the yellow wood, heading back toward the house less entered. The house of woman wisdom. And while you're still far off, woman wisdom sees you And she's filled with compassion and she runs to you and she puts her arm around you and she places a ring on your finger and she kisses you. And she says, I was so worried. I was worried sick about you. Come in. Foolishness is never going to harm you here. Not while I'm around. I'll give you a real meal. I am the meal. Take... And eat this bread, it's the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And she grabs you by the hand and she pulls you inside. Her hand has a hole in it. The other one does too, and wisdom is wounded. For you, she says. Woman wisdom is here. She's here with us right now. In this very moment, and in this very place. Whenever we hear someone read scripture, wisdom is feeding us. 
We may not always like the flavor of the passage, but we're always being fed wisdom when we hear Scripture. Whenever we hear someone preach the good news, wisdom is feeding us, even if the preacher isn't very talented. Whenever we gather for worship, wisdom stands before us, feeding us. Whenever we're sinking down deeper and deeper and our hearts crawl to God pleading for mercy, God grants us forgiveness. God liberates us. That is wisdom. And whenever we pray, whether it's a prayer of lament or anger or joy or intimacy, whether it's formal with King James language or it's some sort of earthy prayer, whether it's for four seconds or four hours, God hears our prayer and responds with wisdom every single time. Whenever we participate in a baptism, she instructs us, renews us, reminding us of our own baptism, that splash of water on our face. Whenever we hold out our hands to eat and drink Holy Communion, she feeds us in a special way, a way that cleanses us and strengthens us and reminds us of Christ's sacrifice for our salvation. And whenever, wherever we hear and speak the good news that we have eternal life because of that wisdom, that is wisdom. And when we sit down and devour this feast, we are seeking. We are no longer striving. And we do it with awe and respect and wonder. And woman wisdom kisses us on the forehead and says, now get out and feed others and tell them that I have fed you and be sure to come back for more feasting because it never ends. And I never, ever run out of food. Woman wisdom feeds us and then we feed each other. In the yellow wood she calls to us. We follow the woman less listened to, and that makes all the